0: I wanted to also, you know, hopefully have some impact, which is, um, I think, in retrospect, I now would say the impact that you have as a Peace Corps volunteer is often on a micro level. You know, you're not necessarily impacting the country, you know, international relations, but you can impact a person. You can impact yourself, and I think uh, Peace Corps was a great, a great opportunity for me to experience a different way of living.
1: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. Welcome to the
2: show, thank you for listening. Feel free to subscribe and share with your friends. We've got a special one for you today. We have my little brother, Jerome Stewart. Jerome's got a different path than I do. He went the corporate route, I went the entrepreneurial route but we both got to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. And how many people do you know that the two kids in the family both got to do that? Jerome went to the Peace Corps. What an amazing experience that was that launched him into Microsoft, Salesforce, Splunk, and Dynatrack. He approaches everything with a craftsman approach and says, if it's worth doing, honor yourself and your opportunity and do it well. He's had a career of adventure Of trying things and he says give it a shot and stick it out for at least a year it is my pleasure to have my brother jerome on the call welcome to the edge of excellence well today is a special day jerome stewart I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I really appreciate you taking time away from your family, away from your passion of mountain biking and hiking and swimming and writing books, and definitely away from your amazing career to share insight into the, to the younger Jerome's and Matt's of the past. Thank you for making time for being on the Edge of Excellence.
0: Hey, thanks for having me here, Matt. Um, this is a, a, a special opportunity for me as well. And I think
2: your introduction was about 80% accurate. So that's a good start. Well, I don't aim for accuracy. And as we get started, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. when you have two brothers that are so completely different. Jerome is here. He is, does not have the same path of life as I have. He definitely is much more polished. Jerome is the corporate executive epitome of what you want to be if you're heading off to work for a company like Microsoft or Salesforce. Jerome worked for them both and had high-level careers. If you want to um, join the corporate world and you don't really like the way I sound and you wish I was more polished and you wonder how I even got a podcast, today is your day. But Jerome, even though you're my brother... We're going to start off the same way we always start off. What is your definition of excellence?
0: Wow. And again, I, I like the introduction. I'm really happy to carry the flag for the, the, the members of the corporate community on this call. Um, I, I think that it's a really tremendous career path for, for many people. And it sometimes isn't positioned that way. So uh, I'm looking forward to digging into that with you. Uh, but my 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 definition of excellence, I really like that question and you gave it to me in advance and I've been thinking about it. Um, what really popped into my head initially is what I'm going to share. And it's just this concept of, I guess I'll refer to it as kind of a craftsman's approach and maybe the better way for me to describe what I'm thinking is to give you an example and it's this. So like if you walk into a building and you just think it's very nicely designed or if you're yourself a crafts person and you're creating something and it's constructed well, really high quality, and you take a step back and you say, wow, I did that really well, that's excellence. And I think we as individuals, we know when we're doing something well. We know when we're not putting enough time into it. And so um, I'm talking about excellence is when you're in that flow and you're you're taking the time, you're working hard and you have the skill to do something well, you know it. That's excellence. And it's a little bit different than saying, you know, it's how much money you make or how many, you know, people are reading whatever it is that you created or making it to your website or whatever. You know, those are interesting metrics, but excellence is really, it's, it's quality, 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 quality.
2: Wow. Okay. So you can be excellent at mountain biking. If you're eating well and you have commitment and you're working hard and you're taking the time, one day you can get there. You can be excellent in work, obviously. How does that apply to being a little brother?. Uh, well,
0: have I been an excellent little brother? I don't know. I think we push each other. I think that you know part of getting to the you know gaining the skills, gaining the experience comes from um, trying, um, failing, um, you know, l- you know recognizing your mistakes. And I think a uh, sibling relationship is uh, you know, not always the 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 easiest way to do that, but I think we do definitely give each other feedback. And you know, quick feedback, raw feedback. Um, you know, the essence of what we try to do in business happens in families just you know, innately, like there's there's no filters. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I think we help each other become excellent through the feedback that we provide and also through the support, hopefully, if it's all negative feedback, which definitely does not exist between the two of us, but in any relationship, if, you know, you need to balance the constructive feedback with, you know, with, uh, direct feedback.
2: Okay. So. Uh, we are on this recording together today, not because we thought of this before, not because we were super aware of what a great guest you would be. We're on the call today because we had a little side conversation the other day, and we were talking about reactions to excellence. And we were a little disappointed in some reactions uh, by others to our own excellence. And uh, you let me know that you were going to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange And we were commiserating on how excellent are our parents? Two kids and both of them will have rung the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. But long before you were chief of staff at Microsoft, long before you went to the Peace Corps after a degree at Tulane, long before I went to your graduation at NYU Stern School of Business, long before Salesforce, Splunk, Dynatrace, you were in high school. And I got to let everybody else know what you were like in high school. Now, I remember uh, prior to high school, sitting with my BB gun, shooting at you and your friends through the courtyard window as you came home from school, which I definitely don't think was excellent. I remember learning my management skills, uh, which I had to relearn from fighting with you in the hallway with bull whips that our parents were dumb enough to to buy us in Mexico. I remember the excellent work we did patching holes in the walls of our home after numerous fights, because our father told us that when he was a kid, his parents would have never known about the fights because he would have had the holes patched and the walls painted. I remember that, but the, other people listening here today don't. So why don't you, with your own words and your own recollection, tell us what you were like in high school before you found these careers and before you made these marks. What was life like and how did you find your path? It's, I,
0: I didn't know that you were going to bring up those examples, but you encouraged me to I don't know. Maybe take a slightly different approach to the answer than I might have normally done. That just because you're reminding me of a few things, I I I, I recall. You know, I, I bizarrely I recall many of those circumstances fondly. BB guns and bullwhips. But but why am I recalling them fondly? It's just that we had, to a certain extent, you know, an untethered childhood. Like we we were encouraged to be adventurous and to try new things. And we lived in an environment that um, enabled that too, you know, living in the desert with a lot of open space, you know, you could get out and about. And that's definitely something when I think back, you know, to, to my life growing up in New Mexico, but, but, you know, my life today too, I think this concept of pursuing adventure is a seed that was planted way back then. And I've, I've attempted to carry it forward, you know, into my adult life. And so, you know, thanks for reminding me of those those examples. They're actually fond memories, surprisingly. Uh, but your question was, what was I like as a high school high schooler? What was um, life like? How did was you see like? yourself?
2: How did you find yeah. this path into the tech world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, I,
0: I definitely didn't leave high school knowing, you know, like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna become. Uh, you know, an executive at a technology company that that's just a very precise outcome that when I was 18, I, I don't think I had a clue, to be honest. Um, but I think there, I, I started building my path in some ways subconsciously. And I think that concept of adventure is something that I grabbed onto and it helped differentiate me. But you know, how did I see myself as a high school? I, I have some some recollection of that. And there were some thoughts that were pretty clear at the time. And it was just this concept that I wanted to try a lot of different things. And I was you know I, I put a a, a a bit of time into a lot of things as opposed to, you know, let me pick one thing and just you know saturate that. so i, I dabbled. I was a decent student, a decent athlete, a decent uh, student leader. I was the 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 treasurer of my high school. I was involved in a lot of activities. I worked. We had to work. And so, you know, I had all of these, let's think of them as maybe little, you know, vessels and you can fill them up with time. And I probably had a few more than maybe, you know, your average kid, but that helped me learn a little bit more about myself. What what was I good at? What did I want? What did I want to do? What did I not want to do? And I think I left high school with um, just a broader perspective because of that. Uh, But again, uh, certainly didn't have an understanding of precisely what I was going to do. I think I might've started to, anticipate that, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to be a physician, but I, 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 you know, I might go into business. What does that mean? Question mark at that
2: stage in my life. Decent student, decent, decent athlete, decent student leader and trying things. So, and I've heard this before with some other people letting go of the precise outcome, maybe just enjoying the process. And, and Sanjay Kapoor, who I think you met uh, taught me karma yoga If you have clarity of intention, purity of heart, and sincerity of action, let go of the outcome and enjoy the process, which is karma yoga but you don't have clarity of intention specifically and exactly what you want to do. You just know you want to be excellent. You know, I was uh, at a private school um, and I felt like the poor kid at the private school. So I really wanted to be wealthy and that's kind of drove me for a while. And then I realized that doesn't matter. And I changed to I really want to impact people, but I'm moving forward, not to a precise outcome, doing everything I can, you did the same thing as well. You try a bunch of things out while you're figuring it out. And one of the things you tried out was going to the Peace Corps. And I remember. Yeah. I remember going to Tulane University for your graduation, your alma mater and the school my son now goes to. I remember going there uh, when you were a freshman and meeting all your fraternity brothers and then seeing them again in interesting circumstances when you graduated, interesting circumstances because, in case your children listen to this, uh, we don't want to talk about those circumstances. Um, but I remember just being impressed, right? And we're still friends with them John Lee Nielsen, um, Christian Granzo, Josh Kleinfelter. We're still friends with them. I'm friends with them. I didn't even go to yeah. school with them, but I'm still friends with them. I still talk to them. And I remember you got a lot of crap. And the day after you graduated, uh, we had our aunt from England there. We had our English mother. We had all our friends. You had to move out. You weren't very helpful in the move out. So we had to basically move for you. Um, and it was the day after your graduation, so we'll cut you some slack. But you went to the Peace Corps. And I, and I know our dad did VISTA volunteers. And I know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for VISTA volunteers because our dad met our mother while she was on vacation with her fiancé. And she dumped her fiancé and married our dad weeks later. And next thing you know, we're here. So you had that in your back, background, but why the Peace Corps? Why, you said diversity, you said adventure. Why did you go to the Peace Corps and how did that change your life? Because there's someone listening right now that's considering the Peace Corps and they didn't know that you could go to the Peace Corps and then be chief of staff at Microsoft. They didn't and know I, you could I, go yeah. to the Peace Corps and end up in Marin County yeah. leading a dream life. So why the Peace Corps and how did that fit into your future?
0: Yeah, I, good good question. And I, I, I do attribute um, a lot of my, you know, my path, I guess is the right way to say it, you know, to those types of decisions. And again, I'm going to go back to that concept of adventure, because I think that that was a driving force for me. And it wasn't really, to be honest, it wasn't this attempt to differentiate myself or to land the job. And I think some people approach, you know, their life that way. They're they're very purposefully, and, and I and I applaud this too. It just wasn't me, but very purposefully lining up a series of experiences, you know, to, to build out that resume. And for me, again, I, I had a lot of interests. I was, I wanted to try, you know, new things. And so I'm gonna take a, a slight setback and I'll get to Peace Corps, but I'll just I'll I'll reflect again on just our relationship. So I remember even before the Peace Corps, I was looking at like, where do I want to go to college? And I had a couple options. Um, one of them was actually UCSB, where, where you went to school, Matt. You mean and the Harvard I, of the West? The Harvard of the West. The I greatest think school on the planet? The Harvard of the South. You, you know, you're you're in a second place or or beyond when you're saying you are the something of the something, but not the actual thing. Like, you know, Harvard is the Harvard of the Harvard. No, no. Harvard is the yeah. UCSB <laughs> of the East. <laughs> I and know. I, so we, we play that game too. But anyway. Um, when I was deciding uh, UCSB is an amazing amazing university and especially now that I live in california i I see that the quality of students that are going there is, is tremendous. I had that opportunity the reason why i didn't do it matt was because you know some advice that I received from our grandmother and it's just that cliche advice you know do things differently the robert you know frost you know poem you know two two paths and you know very much so that that's how i felt i i i needed to 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 drive my life at the time was to try a different path. I I didn't want to follow the path that you were, that you were following. So I moved to new Orleans, which was very different coming from Albuquerque. So that was a start. And then, you know, I had a wonderful time in new Orleans. Great that you remember it that way too. Amazing friends. Still, I'd probably call them, you know, my best friends. Um, After two years of doing that, which was really a peak for me in my life at the moment, I felt like I was on top of my life on top of the world at that time I decided to pursue an adventure. I decided to mix things up. I went to Spain and not Spain for a couple of weeks, I went to Spain for a full year. And at that time it was freaky for me to do that, you know, to to go to an environment where my language skills were pretty horrible at the time, um but I wanted to give it a shot. So I moved to Spain, um learned a ton, um you know, came out, you know, you know, Able to speak the language at a at a reasonable level, understand the language, read the you know read literature and things like that. Um, so went back to school, finished my degree, and I decided to um, continue with with that type of international experience or international adventure. And I wanted to also you know hopefully have some impact, which is um, I think in retrospect I now would say the impact that you have as a Peace Corps volunteer is often on a micro level you know you're not necessarily impacting the country you know international relations but you can impact a person you can impact yourself and i think uh, peace corps was a great a great opportunity for me to experience a different way of living um so anyway
2: that's what brought me to the peace corps so the the peace corps though how did the peace corps just the experience and i'm not talking about being courageous enough to face your friends and say no shut up I'm not talking about being courageous enough to face the ambiguous outcome I'm talking about what was it that you got out of that that changed who you are and put you on top of the tech world and has you ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange
0: Yeah so I personally got a lot about a lot out of it which I can talk about but I definitely think just from like a raw you know CV perspective and how do you actually stand out? I think, you know, just having United States Peace Corps on my resume um, as I'm applying to business school at the time, that was different. And, you know, there's a lot of super smart people that are trying to, you know, get into business schools or trying to crack into whatever the top company is. And you're, you're reading a pile of resumes, 100 resumes. What is the thing that makes you stand out? And something like Peace Corps, I think, is a great, a great example. So it, that's not why you do the Peace Corps, but I would just say um, that's one of those examples of a side door. And there's a series of those things that have helped me, uh, you know, uh, make it to the, the the place in life where I have the fortune to go to the New York Stock Exchange and do those types of things.
2: Yeah. It, it's clay, right? It just, you chose a piece of clay. It could be going straight to Microsoft. It could be going to start a business. It could be going sailing around the world. It could be going to the peace Corps. You take what's thrown at you and you made it into what got you into NYU. Uh, you know, yeah, I, know I,
0: my- I think you deal with your circumstances
2: for sure. And like, that's
0: what's thrown at you and you, you make something of that and I applaud everybody and 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 most people, frankly, who've had a, a harder time than I have in life, and they've been able to make something of it, and you don't have to make a mountain for that something to be really extraordinary. So I think you're right, you got to make 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 uh, make the most of what you have. But again, what I'm saying here is, um, there's this concept of differentiation. you know, like we all start off with like the same looking piece of paper, let's call it. And you know how do you how do you stand out? You got to be really good at certain things. Um, I also think you have to have experiences that make you stand out. And you, ha- the, an experience can't be I'm going to go dabble for a couple weeks and claim that that's monumental. It has to be something that you're going to dedicate a lot of time to. And again, you know, Peace Corps is an example. That's a two-year commitment. So if you're willing to, you know, put your life on hold for a couple years, go overseas work really hard, you know, drink out of a well in some cases for a couple years, then I think that that demonstrates that, you know, you're you're you 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 can stand up to some of the scrutiny or some of the hardships that, you know, corporate America might show at you type of thing.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you talked about the craftsman approach. Yep. Step back, did you do it really well? Use your insight And analyze. You step back from your Peace Corps experience. You know you did it really well. You talk about how you need to try and fail fail and and give yourself feedback, get feedback um, to figure out your path. You talk about adventure, but you also gave credit to the people that do have a specific path. I'm glad you do because I don't. Um, And the reason why I don't is because we become too tied to the path. But we're in the middle, right? You have to have a path. You have to have a goal. You have to have momentum and you're moving in that direction. But you also have to have that that seeking adventure and that openness to possibility and that openness to serendipity to try new things. But whatever it is that you try, if you have that craftsman approach and you do the absolute best you can do, you're excellent at it. You're the person that's cleaning toilets, and you are excellent at it. People notice, and it can be a stepping stone to other people. And I saw you giggle when I said cleaning toilets. You did that in the Peace Corps.
0: I have, I, no, I've, I actually I've, – I've cleaned toilets, not only in the Peace Corps, but like almost professionally. One of my titles in my life was Pool Boy. It's, it's usually – not very exciting when you have the word boy actually officially in your title and that was the case when I worked for hotels and part of that was at the end of the day I had to go clean toilets so I think you got to be willing to do that I think what that shows is work ethic and obviously I mean you know first of all I, I again applaud people who who you know who who have to clean houses and you know or buildings for a living there's just a, a lot of honor in those jobs um, but the you're right that if you do that if you do anything that you're doing if you do it well um doesn't mean in the case of cleaning a toilet, that you're going to love it, but you're doing your job well. You take it super seriously. That is the craftsman approach. You know, if you're writing something, write it well, um, pay more attention to the quality of what you're creating than to the concept of, like I said, how many people are going to read it? You know, that's craftsman, um, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, do it well and, and, and bring it, you know, bring yourself to it. I think that that's a way to stand out.
2: Yeah. How you do one thing is how you do everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good.
1: Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show.
2: When I started this podcast, my friend Sean Baldwin called me up uh, you may remember Sean. Uh, he uh, was the, the guy that we took uh, our cousin, Dan, and we went and visited one of his uh, uh, very valuable possessions and he gave Dan a special tour and we took a bunch of pictures and he was pretending to be the waiter. I'm not going to get into what it is, but sure, Sean, ba- Sean Baldwin would call me up and he said, hey, heard you doing a podcast. I said, yeah, He goes, It better not suck. It's going to be out there forever. People will be able to find it years from now. It better not suck. And I said, what have I ever done that sucks, man? What have I ever done? And that's how you approach everything. That's how I approach everything. I don't cook because I suck at cooking and my wife's a chef. Um, but whatever I do, it's, I don't know if it's the competitive edge, um, but I, I don't even think it's competitive. And I think it's your, your craftsman approach. Why do it? If you're not going to do it well, or as Terry Yates said, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Right. And you overdid the Peace Corps. You went way above and beyond at the Peace Corps. And that was a different path to get you into one of the best business schools, to get you into into American Express we forgot about. And we forgot about um, (laughs) Latino.com before before you went to uh, Microsoft for 19 years and ran all the sales for Windows in Europe and and North Africa. These huge things happen because of that craftsman approach and everything you do. And I do appreciate, you know, we – our, our parents uh, uh, worked very, very hard. Um, there was a lot of humility in what they did. Our dad had three jobs when I was little, truck driver. Uh, he was doing the grain machine. He was a bus driver. He was a teacher. Our mom literally changed bedpans. Uh, she was an ER nurse, a hospice nurse. They put all that effort in and they did it well. And I was talking to another podcast uh Guest, we were talking about giving credit to her parents because this this woman just blew me away, Ali Becker, um, and has blown me away every time I've ever interacted with her. I mean, we got. We, 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 the listener right now that's driving around in their car listening to this at 1.5 speed can pause and stop and say, Where am I getting my values from? If I didn't get it at home, okay, can I get it from a mentor? Can I get it from a friend? What am I doing right now? Am I doing it well? If not, I can stop and do it well. And if I don't love doing it, but I need to do it, I still can do it well. If I don't love doing it and I don't need to do it, I can stop doing it and go find something that I'm going to do really well. And really deliver my best, and really be devoted to, because that's what creates creates excellence, and people notice, right? You can't suck because people notice.
0: Yeah, and so just to reflect on what you're saying, um, uh, agree with the majority of it. Um, the uh, I want to remind you that this is my podcast, <laughs> and you have to agree with it. I know, I agree with everything, um, but there, no, there's a there's a few there's a few what I would call kind of distinct points. First, we talked about the significance of, I'm going to call it adventure. And adventure is a broadly defined term. You know, you don't have to go to Spain or Bolivia, you know, to be on an adventure, but it's, you know, do, you know following your passion is is a cliche, but I think that that's a that's a, a nice reflection of, of of adventure. You know, you're passionate about it. It's an adventure, you know, to, to try new things. Um, the the other thing that you 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 reference like latino.com um you know i am glad i took on those types of experiences that was a company that i worked for for a period of time actually starting when i was in business school i can't really claim that as a massive success i don't think i you know uh, moved the needle too much working for latino.com but um it was a stepping stone for sure and all of those stepping stones i think something else that you learn along the way there is if you're flowing, if things if you're bringing it and if you're doing all that stuff, you're right, you know people will start to notice. sometimes they don't. or sometimes, you know, despite your effort, you know it's just not working. You know the business isn't doing super well. So I think there's another lesson here, and it's pay attention to those um, to those cues. Um you know, give it a shot. You know, it doesn't mean that if things aren't working one day, the next day, walk in and say, "Hey, I'm out of here." like that's just silly behavior give it give it an honest shake you know work at a, at a new job for at least a year i like to point out but then be honest with yourself pay attention to the cues are you enjoying it are you flowing are you are you applying that craftsman's uh, approach to to what you're doing Or are you asked to do things that you're just not interested in? After a year or so, you can make that that self-assessment and then move. And in the case of Latino.com, I was able to move from that job to one other job. And then I got hired by Microsoft and that just entered. It wasn't a 19-year experience, but it was a 15-year experience, which was just a wonderful experience as well as an adventure. But sometimes, again, you have to have those interim steps along the way. So I had to get that out there, Matt.
2: OK, so uh, and one of the things we never talk about, and that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to help expose people to what you do. So after your 19 years at Microsoft, um, you you went, you went and did a few things, but it's always been in marketing, right? It's been in corporate marketing. And I don't think of marketing the same way you do, because I'm in the small business environment and um although our small business is probably more like a mid-sized business but i still think in a small business mindset for marketing what exactly does it mean to have the, the title that you have, the VP of communication at Dynatrace or the head of cloud marketing at Splunk. Um, and I know you can't get into any specifics, but what sort of things are you, are you doing? If someone's in the car right now and they're listening at 1.5 speed, but maybe they slowed down because we're so funny um, and they just want to know, okay, what do you do day to day? Would I yeah, like yeah. that job? Can you describe what it's like?
0: Sure. Um, probably the best way to describe my current job, but also what I think has been maybe the primary skill that that I bring to organizations. Um, maybe it's 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 two it's a coin with two sides. So on on one side, it's you know there's this um, often overused and I'm going to go ahead and overuse it, but but word you know storytelling um you know i'm i'm a storyteller within organizations but what does that mean so in a technology environment especially the environments that i've migrated toward these are kind of deep tech environments these are the technologies that are powering the digital experiences that we all take for granted you know our 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 mobile phone experiences but even on the back end everything that's powering a company's ability to deliver services to you you know technologies are behind that these are increasingly complex technologies my job is to understand them, you know, to a certain degree, um, and then uh, help make sense of them so that a broader audience understands them and understands the value proposition. Sometimes it's also helping to, you know, let's call it a pitch. You know, developing a pitch. You know, how are we going to grab people's attention? So my job is to craft that uh, for, you know, in this case, a, a specific company. But I've I've done that for products and for other companies. So that's one side of the coin. I'd say the other side of the coin is to be able to do that at scale, to get other people to buy into that story because we all have a perspective on what the story is, especially when it comes to a product or a company. You know, ask 10 people in your organization, what does the company do? And unless you have a nicely crafted positioning and messaging, you're going to have 10 different answers. So again, we want to unify people on that storyline. I think that's really, really important for businesses of any of any size. I'm biased, but I would say that that's a cornerstone to a business strategy is to understand the positioning. So again, I get a group of people to buy into that, and then we execute it across all of the different marketing channels, which range from you know media relations to content creation to you know direct sales. Again, we all want to be Coming to the same tune, which is that message. And again, I think my 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 value is to enable larger organizations to snap to that story. So
2: that's when I it. think of marketing, I think, okay, you got to go buy the Super Bowl ad. So you're probably there negotiating for the Super Bowl ad. And then you got to go do the pay-per-click thing. And then you've got to get the SEO going, but that's not what it is it's, that's the last part. And there's other people on the team that may do that. Prior to that, it's figuring out the story um, and crafting the communication with that craftsman approach. Then you've got the leader and manager side of it. So if you weren't a great leader, and you weren't good at management and delegation, you couldn't have the title you have. You could be a great storyteller, but you can't be running marketing for these big organizations if you're just a storyteller and not a leader. And then the final element is what I think of, and maybe a lot of our listeners right now are thinking of what marketing is, just the execution part. But it starts way before that. And do you even get deep into the execution part? I do. I I absolutely
0: do. And I think that's another... Maybe it's uh, it's it's just reflective of those days back in New Mexico when we were encouraged to get dirty. But I I get dirty at work. I I'm a I'm a writer. Um, I'm an editor. I I identify and ideate. You know new campaigns. I'm on the calls with people. There is a point where you know due to just the scope of work, I I, I can't be in every call. And that's something that you know I, that, that that creates a challenge for myself. But absolutely, I think certainly in my business, literally at the company that I work for. But I would I would basically say the culture that that I want to be a part of, um, all senior people need to have that that doer skill. Like you have to have you have to understand how to do certain things. You can't just be a talker delegator. That doesn't work.
2: So I want to get back to something that you said, too. You said you have to give it the old college try, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, You have to pay attention to the cues. But oftentimes, the cues are, oh, you hate this. Don't do it. And they come too early. So I remember when I started my entrepreneurial career. I started my entrepreneurial career by knocking on doors. That's what I did. Hi, my name is Matt Stewart. I'm going to be painting a bunch of houses in the neighborhood. I noticed your house needs to be painted. Would you like a free estimate? No. No no, no, no. I got no, and nobody believes this. 18 hours over two days, I didn't get a single person to say yes, and I hated it, hated it. Um, but I kept going because I knew that that cue was coming too early. So, and you and I talk every now and then, we've had a bad day. I mean, both of us do what we love. I mean, I'm doing this podcast because I love working with 20 somethings. I love the impact. I have a business that does that. I have a hobby that does that coaching my friend's kids. Um, you know, it's what I do. It's what I love. I helped your own kid. Um, but I don't love it every day. I love it most days. So how do you know when the cue is just laziness? How do you know when the cue is like anti-perseverance? How do you stick in it long enough? And I remember your P score story. I believe your first day at the P score, you got Giardia out of your bed and broke your nose. You could have quit that day. How do you know that it's just a, a a blip versus a cue that you should do something else?
0: You know, I don't know if there's a trigger that answers that question as precisely as at least I would like it to. Um, but it, it's I, I, I think I have the benefit of a little bit of hindsight, and I can look back and that's why I came up with that rule of thumb, like stick it out for a year. Like you just start a new job, a new role at a company, um, you're gonna have bad days, and uh, you know you might get sick, you know, as, as you described in the in the Peace Corps, or you might have a bad interaction with with a colleague or maybe a more senior member of your team. Um, that's you just anticipate going in to any experience that the you know the, those those that rosy you know sheen is going to disappear pretty quickly and then you're going to be facing the reality so that's that's yeah, step number 1 but then um give it a fair shake as i said i think when it comes to a job um you know if i had if i as you said if i had gone to the peace corps and after getting sick it wasn't the first day but within the first month you know getting you know kind of significantly ill a lot of people actually that freaks them out and you know a third of peace corps volunteers don't make it through um, typically, because of some health-related issue or concern, um, and in my case, you know, I was able to, you know, get over that hump. But on the job, you know, I get over humps, and then, you know, after a year, I, I assess like, is this working out for me? Um, you know, am I am I achieving my career goals? Um, am I satisfied? Am I enjoying it? Are we treating each other well at work? Is, are we? Is there this this concept of kind of respectful engagement? If all those things are true, then let's sign up for another year. But if after a year, and you know it, if you're like, this is just horrible, and if you go you know, back to whatever your, you know, your, your, your friends or your home or whatever it is, and you're sharing this with other people, and if it's just consistently, I don't like it, then have the guts to make a change. I think that that's, that's really good advice. Make that shift.
2: So it's guts both ways. It's guts to persevere for a year, guts to honor your commitment for a long enough period of time, and then the guts to go into the unknown. Works both ways. Do you think by the way, while you were talking, I was thinking about our kids and how perseverant they are. And I remember Jake, uh, he wanted to quit diving. And I'm like, dude, you're going to the national championships next month. I mean, at least stick it out. Cause I knew he would do well in the national championships. And I knew that that would get him to stick it around. So he went and he got fourth place or sixth place or something awesome. And he came, he said, okay, I want to quit. I went, whoa, 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 what do you mean? My trick didn't work. And he went down and Jill calls me up and she says, did you tell Jake he could quit diving? I'm like, well, I said, if he goes in and shakes the coach's hand and looks the coach in the eye and thanks him for the impact, then he could do it again. I didn't think he'd ever do that, but sure enough, he had the guts to do that, the guts to stop. And he stuck it out for all those years to the point where he was number four in the nation. And I'm wondering, you think about your children, you think about my children, you think about me and you. You think about our parents. Do you think that perseverance is just genetic, and we're not as great as we think we are? We just got lucky genes. Ooh, uh, I don't think it's genetic. I
0: think um, you you probably have to be reminded of it. You have to have you know supporters that are are whispering the right messages in your ear and, and encouraging you when times are tough. You know to stick it out. Or also providing you with the guidance to say, hey, I've heard you talk about this for a long time, and you know the the challenge that you're having right now isn't isn't novel. Like this, this is again, uh, it's a it's a consistent set of feedback. So, uh, yeah, it's not genetic. I think it's the environment that you're in that plays a big role there. And you're right. It does take guts sometimes to pull the cord. And again, I go back to the initial statements when I talked about, you know, it starts with adventure, like follow your bliss, pay attention to what you're good at, pay attention to how you're feeling about it. I'm guessing the case with Jake was that while he was an elite diver, he just wasn't feeling that passion or that flow. So there you go.
2: And he stuck it out. Now, he didn't like listening to everybody cry every time they smacked. And he's up there and it's raining and he's 12 years old wearing a little bikini. Um, Values are passed on. And you keep bringing it up. We have the same values. If you didn't get him at home, go find somebody. If you, I mean, we know that Jerome and I had a great home life, we know we've been very, very lucky. We know we were propelled into the future by the work of our ancestors. And if you're listening and you don't have that, we're sorry. Find somebody to be a mentor. figure out what your values are. Sit down and think about it. Because honestly, there's more people I know that are incredibly successful that come from bad backgrounds than come from good backgrounds. There's more people running away from something than running to something like Jerome and I are. And I'm going to end with this, Jerome, and I really appreciate your time. I'd love to know if you think back in time, what sacrifice did you make in your early 20s that you would make over and over and over again?
0: Well, again, I think it's the the uh, the the willingness to sacrifice. Um, exchange might be a better word than sacrifice, but the the willing to uh, to pause something that's going so well where you think like you know it just doesn't get much better than this, but you know to to get back on track with the bigger picture with that adventure that you're pursuing, you know the the bigger bolder adventure. So those in my twenties, like that that desire first. It was actually in my teens, but to say, hey, I'm not going to go to Santa Barbara. That sounds like an amazing time. I was there. I still smell the the eucalyptus in my neighborhood. And I think back to those days in Isla Vista. So I know it would have been a good time, but I said, I'm going to try something different. And I did. A couple of years later, I said, wow, New Orleans, I'm enjoying this so much. It can't be, you know, much more fun than this. Let's go try Madrid for a while. I did that. And then similarly, one more time, you know, in my 20s, still saying, Hey you know, let's try, let's try Bolivia. And then now let's go from New York to San Francisco. It's like these types of bold decisions, they add up. I think they're the, they're, they're what accrued to the life that I have today.
2: Wow. Well, thank you, Jerome. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, thank you for taking time away from your busy schedule to meet with your older brother um, of all these years and to share your insight. I got a lot of insight. I mean, we know each other pretty damn well, but I got a couple little gems that I didn't have before. And I want to let you know your friends from college have been texting me. Um, They were commenting on the photo I sent them of us doing this podcast together. They wanted me to say hi, and then they had a bunch of other things to say that I won't share with you, but I'll send you the, uh, the screenshots of it. Have a, awesome. great, have a great weekend up there in Mill Valley in the middle of the Ewok Forest. And I will talk to you very soon. Love you very much, Jerome. You're a great and excellent brother. Hey, thanks for the opportunity.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.